Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org/cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello and welcome to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. We've got loads to talk about this week, but we will start with England who are on top in the second test, but with questions continuing to dog Alistair Cook after another batting failure. I do see a guy still hungry. The way that he works, he goes about his work in the nets. He's trying some different things as well. You know, trying to be positive when he goes out into the nets. And I think we just saw a little bit of that today. The fallout continues from Sandpaper Gate. Goffy will give us his thoughts on the latest there, and we will look ahead to the return of the biggest T20 league of them all. Oh, what an over! Six four six six six. It's like a telephone number. This week's studio guest is the England and Surrey spinner Gareth Batty to look back on his career, tell us what the future holds, and also be this week's test of time. 399, Brian Lara on strike. There goes the sweep. There it is. Perhaps the most significant single ever in the history of Test match cricket. Brian Charles Lara becomes the first man in the history of the game to register a score of 400. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talksport Two. And with me, as usual, is Johnny Norman from a wet and windy and dark New Zealand. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing good, matey. I, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to coming back. I'll be honest with you. Five months. Down under, beautiful to miss the beast from the east. Spend a bit of time with the in-laws and they uh, get a bit of a tan. Uh, but even though I've even though I've seen pictures of more snow in the UK, I, I miss you guys. I want to get back. I want to see my friends. I want to see my workmates. I want to have a have a beer at the King's Arms on Rupel Street. Um, and I want to get back for the start of the county season, county championship season. Um, it's been five months. Has been long enough, Goffy. I, I bet it has. Uh, but in in that five months since you've got to New Zealand, you've had some dodgy weather. 
mate, over the last three or four weeks. <laughs> I'm not expecting you to come back with a nice tan. <laughs> uh, I, can you imagine the stick I'm going to get when I walk through that? The front door at Hatfield at Talksport Towers. Oh, mate, I'm going to get it. Um, I tell you what, I'm. It's so frustrating. Cricket does it. It just has this knack of shooting itself in the foot. So um, for the let's talk sport two listeners. Um, we, me and Goffey, we're going to try and assess this series, not knowing uh, what is actually going to happen with this second Test match. And part of the reason that the test match has still got uh, so far to go is because every day of this test, Goffey, bad weather has set in, or rather, you know, it's got gloomy in Christchurch around 4.35 and the players have had to go off the field. Now, today we have had the most nonsense situation that I can remember in quite some time, and that's saying a lot in cricket, where... Instead of being able to start half an hour early tomorrow, day five in Christchurch, the half an hour, okay, at a ground with no lights in a test match where bad light has stopped play early every single day, the extra half an hour has, you guessed it, been put at the end of the day rather than the start. Mm. And the reasoning for that, clever, and this is, and this (laughs) is so frustrating. The reason given is because they didn't want due factor to get involved. Well, now, to be fair, early morning, it, it has been very much a morning wicket-taking exercise, this uh, Test match, hasn't it, in New Zealand? Yeah. And having toured yeah. there in the past... So I kind of understand that, but no, I no, understand Goffey. your frustration. No, in the morning, is the first hour is the best time to bowl in New Zealand. Goffey, the clocks went back yesterday. So oh. actually, if you think about it, with the test match starting half an hour earlier on days four and five, if we start tomorrow another half an hour earlier, earlier, it will actually be the same time so you want as them on to days change one, it two, just, and three. So you want them to change it just for the last day to suit England? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, not to yeah, suit England. Let's be honest about it. So you want it? It's all right for the first three days, but now the clocks have gone back. Let's change the rules for the last two days just so England can get to bowl half an hour earlier in the morning. That's what you're saying, isn't it? No, what I'm saying is... No, you are. No, that is not what I'm saying. The reason that they're giving is that it's too early to play cricket, forgetting that the clocks went back, so therefore it's actually the same time as where we started on days one, two and three. There's no way we're going to get these 98 overs in day five. You know, it's one. It's bad enough that we've got this two-test series, and I'm putting my fingers up in the air because a two-test match does not make a series. But why, oh why, is the second one scheduled for Christchurch? It's did it's autumn. It is autumn in New Zealand, and instead of having Eden Park as a second match, which has lights. They put Eden Park first, Christchurch second. It's going to be a draw. England will lose the series. Uh, I need to go and lie down. Mm. England lose the series. Um, I mean, listen, I I still think England got a chance. I think I said that first hour in the morning, although it will be an hour later. Um, I think England have got a good chance in the morning. I think if they get into them, the the way they bowled tonight, the ball's okay, created pressure onto New Zealand. There's half a chance went down here and there. Um, Leach has got a ball well uh, tomorrow. He's he's done well doing it um, for Somerset on the final day. He's bowled them to victory alongside Don Best many a time, many, many a time. 
So now it's up to him to do it at the ice level. He's been waiting for this call. He went wicketless in the first innings. And I think it's a massive day for him tomorrow. I think if he bowls well tomorrow, he will start the summer um, uh, for England. Um, so I think it's a big, big day for him indiv- uh, as an individual. Well, look, OK. Uh, Jack Leach might do a Jim Laker, a slow left arm version of Jim Laker and take all 10 wickets. Um, I don't think he'll do that. He... <laughs> well, no, I don't either. But if he doesn't, OK, let's say, let's, let's say this is a draw, OK? Um, but Jack Leach bowls bowls relatively well. You know, watching this test match and watching this series, I'm not sure that we are any further down the road uh, to knowing what to do and how to address the problems with this side than we were at the start of the series. Um, Alistair Cook, and we're going to talk about this at length, uh, struggling. You know, he's been away from home, seven test matches, Australia, New Zealand, one decent score out of 14. Stoneman and Vince, Let's you know, he's halves, got all his runs in one test match a at, on the flattest track ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stoneman and Vince, you know, enough to keep them in the side for Pakistan next month. You'd you'd say, but again, uh, not really answering the, the 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 questions that have been posed of them in a way that would solidify their position throughout the Pakistan series and, and towards mm. India, and then Wokes and Ali dropped. You know, and we were talking about that before it actually happened, before the first test match. You know, but unless Leach does do a Jim Laker, um, Wood hasn't taken a wicket yet. You know, do we really, do we really have any enough in there for them not to come back and take their places next mm. month? I think Wokes just come back in, in England. I, I said this on on Drive last week. The problem with Wokes and the selectors now. This is where it gets really interesting because what do you do uh, with him? Do you say he's a fantastic cricketer, which he is? Um, I'm not going to criticise him as a cricketer at all. No, not I at all. I think he's a no. fantastic cricketer. He's got huge talent. But as a selector, do we just say to him, you're going to play every home test, but you're not going to play when we go ab- abroad? He averages 65, I think, with a ball away from mm. home over a few uh, tours. It's not just one. So I think, what do we say? Do, do we have to be really strong with him and say, at this moment, mate, you're going to play the home test because you're a fantastic performer. And no matter how you perform, at this moment, you're not in the box seat to be starting a test match away from home. Now, that would be a huge, huge call uh, to say that. But his performances have been b- below average. Mm. Absolutely. And that's why he's ended up losing his place. Same with Moeen Ali. In England, when Anderson and Broad are knocking over the top order and Moeen Ali comes on when they're three and four down, there's no pressure on him. He can just bowl and he'll pick up little wickets here and there. Mm. But obviously, when you need him in a test match, when the pitchers tend to be a little bit better away from home, he struggled. So you've got to assess uh, this when you're looking at the first test against Pakistan. Stoneman and Vince, both of them, I think, actually have got huge strengths. But they keep getting out when they're getting in. So they get in mm. and then get out. They don't go on and get the big scores. Vince looks fantastic. You think, wow, wow, I'd love to see him score uh, an unbelievable 100 uh, for England with cover drives, flick off his legs, back foot, punches through the offside. He's got all the shots. He just keeps getting out, just keeps nicking off. Now, he got 76 in this uh, second innings after being dropped for the first test. Will he have a chance? I think that 76 might just get him another run at three. So, no, we've not answered We've not answered any questions, really. So, we've no. been slagging him off all winter, the media, <laughs> the press. He got 76 in his last knock, and now he's probably going to start the summer. 
Yeah. And, and this is the thing. And by doing that, that means that, uh, you know, Stokes is back at six and Bearstow's back at seven. Um, you know, there's plenty of clamour for Bearstow to almost give up the gloves maybe and, and, and play as a specialist batsman. So this is kind of what I'm talking about. Would you Coming change it with Bearstow, t- though? Just on Bearstow, uh, Johnny. I'm not sure. Jack Gilchrist. Uh, Jack Gilchrist. Adam Gilchrist, <laughs> right, never... Mm. He got look at the runs. He averaged fifty, just about. I think he might have averaged fifty in the end yeah, uh, with the bat. Yeah. Right, absolutely brilliant player, mate. Brilliant. Now, I would have preferred him to come in at five. He came in at seven. To come in at seven and slap hundred like he did is just what Bairstow is doing. Why would we want to change that? Everybody said get Bairstow up the order. Why? Coming in at number seven, that's where you win a lot of games. It really is because if you lose a f- few early wickets and your number seven's coming in and he can smash 100 like he did in that first innings, it changes the game. They're called game changers. I wouldn't change Johnny Bairstow at this moment. There's no need. So you wouldn't change Bairstow. Um, Stokes is at six, Roots at four. Milan has done enough to be at five. So we've got to talk about Alistair Cook, and we're going to be talking about that set very shortly here on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. So the second test in New Zealand, uh, delicately poised, possibly, if... The clouds stay away. Uh, New Zealand 42 without loss at the end of day four, uh, needing to bat out three sessions to save the match. England needing 10 wickets. Uh, Goffey, uh, one of the uh, well, one of the memories of this series and the Ashes, unfortunately, is the sight of Alistair Cook looking somewhat uh, crestfallen, an angry swish of the bat, um, walking away from the crease. One decent score, and it was a, a, a mammoth score in uh, in seven Test matches. You know, I was listening to some of the New Zealand commentators and also the likes of Michael Atherton and Bumble. Uh, and they put a lot of importance on Alistair Cook going back to, and scoring runs for Essex and uh, getting back uh, to some form. Um, but is that going to be enough to keep him in the side? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because we talk here about our ice run scorer, an absolute legend mm. uh, of English cricket. I've always been a massive, massive fan of him, but it's now getting where it's becoming the story of the day all the time for England. Alistair Cook failing again. Now, a double on the flattest pitch um, going, um, is that going to be enough uh, to save him? I think it's quite sad when you look at a series and Alistair Cook got 23 runs in four innings at an average of 5.75. That's not how we associate. I know it's a two-match series and it's hard to judge sometimes and figures. <laughs> I mean, the next one, he could go and get 200 again and then be averaging 40 for the series. And that's what's kind of clouded the situation, that one score in Adelaide might just save it. Might just save mm, it. Melbourne. Um, uh, Melbourne, sorry. Uh, that mm. that one good innings in Melbourne might just save him um, moving forward. Now, I'd love to have him in the side. I'd love to have him scoring runs, but I think he's been so fidgety all winter with a lack of confidence. Now, he came home after Australia. We know he, li- he lives not far from me. So we all know he loves his farm. He loves... Um, been running around the farm every day. Has he put in the work during his time off that Stuart Broad put in mm, on his bowling? Point. I would good say point. no. I would say no. Now, Stuart Broad deserves huge praise because I saw him 
putting stuff on Instagram, social media, of him working every single day. After a few weeks off, on his new, kind of slightly remodelled action. Getting his wrist position better, attacking the crease better. But with Alistair Cook, he doesn't really do social media, so we don't know. There's only him will know if he put enough work in going forward for the New Zealand tour. Um, and I think it's such a difficult one because do you really want to drop Alistair Cook? <laughs> do you want to be that wow. person that drops him or do you think Alistair Cook might just say, it's time for me to walk away? And if he does, there's no way he'll play county cricket. Not a chance. It's a very good point. Um, and I think he deserves that. I think he deserves yeah. to be able to make the decision himself. You know, you've been hearing me in the last two years questioning his his worth to the side um, and his place in the team. And it's been a surprise to me that he's escaped criticism for as long as he has. But that shouldn't take away from what he brings to the team. And also the fact that there isn't actually a natural successor to come in anyway. You know, his partner, Mark Stoneman, has done OK. You know, four or five fifties in his short test career. But, you know, he hasn't gone past 60 yet. And, uh, you know, his performance has certainly tailed off towards the end of the ashes. So, you know, he's still battling for his place. And if not Cook, OK, then who? Well, I think the only option they'll have, and he's not developed as they wanted him to, as always, he was slightly getting his form back as a beep from uh, Lancashire. Mm. I think he's the only one um, who they, they were relying on getting some kind of form back. He thought he was brilliant in India, let's be honest about it. Under that sort of pressure in India, against some of the spinners he came up across, he showed terrific uh, style uh, and temperament. But... Obviously, the injury he's had, he failed to come back, didn't he, for Lancashire. And I think at some point, he's obviously going to be the one that comes back in to the England side. I think he's the one who is the future, who England think is the future. So they want to give him another chance at some point. Um, Nick Gubbins has been scoring runs uh, in the North v South series. I think he got back-to-back hundreds. Mm, yeah. And the one who I've said now for a while, has been the best player in county cricket for the last two seasons, is Sam Northeast. Um, he's now gone to Hampshire. Big um, season for him. It's a massive season. Well, he's had two big seasons and he's not even looked like getting a call-up. So, yeah. um, there you go. And then another player who's been getting runs in county cricket, played test cricket before, plays for Kent, he's just got the vice-captain's job, he's Joe Denley. Um, he's been scoring a lot of runs of late. Now, if he starts the season strong, will there be calls for him to get another chance? Uh, let's hear what uh, the, the the England coach Graham Thorpe had to say about Alistair Cook. I do see a guy still hungry. The way that he works, he goes about his work in the nets. He's trying some different things as well. You know, trying to be positive when he goes out into the nets. And I think we just saw a little bit of that today. Um, you, you could see that the, the freedom which he wanted to play with. And unfortunately, he got a good ball and he played at one outside off stump and and, and again out for um, you know a, a low score. Um, and no one would be more disappointed than what Alistair is. I think over the years we've come to know how he operates. Um, you're always saying he's one, one sort of a few hours at the crease away from a big score. So that's the bit which um, he has to keep in his mind as well. Thanks to Sky Sports for that. You know, uh, when you look back at his uh, recent record, Goffey, I mean, he scored a big century, d- double century against the West Indies last summer as well. Uh, for me, the best innings, actually, we came against uh, South Africa at the Oval. He hit 88 in murky conditions against a much better bowling attack and at a stage of the game where it was far more important. But in and amongst that, well, if he was anybody else, he, he probably would have been dropped by now. But, you know, you know the man. 
Um, you wouldn't be surprised if he's giving retirement deep consideration. He had to start. He played the season last year for Essex, and it was a terrific season. They won the championship, and I think yeah. he's a big part player in that. The way he started the season, the runs he scored, was one of the reasons Essex got off to a flyer and carried on the momentum all the way through to the end of the season to win the title. But I can't see him wanting to go back and play county cricket if he's not going to be playing for England. Um, so it's a massive, massive call. Um, I still think he is a terrific player. He's always been scratchy where he goes in little spells where he might not get a run for three or four tests. Everybody's talking about dropping him. This was early in his career. And then, as he mm. said, he's always had the knack, hasn't he, of getting out of jail and getting an 100 or a 200. Similar to Ian Bell. Let's let's be honest. Ian Bell used to do it time and time yeah. again. And I think Alistair is exactly the same as that, although obviously a better player. Um, but people now must be wondering, when your opener keeps getting out for low scores... It's becoming a concern. And it's only a concern is because we're still not sure about his opening partner. Because Stoneman gets in, gets out. Vince then gets in, gets out. And we're relying too much on even, Root. Even Root's, even Root's got the, uh, the getting in, getting out disease, it well, seems. Well, Root's, uh, what is it? That's his seventh half century, isn't it, this winter? Um, he's got a lot of yeah. runs, 520 Fright- runs. Fright- he's yeah, averaged over 40, cons- but no free figures. Yeah, fri- frightening consistency from Root. Um, if you look at uh, look at it, and also Root was the only player to average over forty across the entire team over mm. those seven Test matches. By the way, um, but yeah, problems, problems, problems. Um, but when it comes to problems, though, uh, nothing compared to what's going on in Australia. We spoke at quite a lot, quite some length this time last week. Uh, we weren't aware of that time. Uh, because it hadn't been announced, that uh, the 12-month bans were going to be placed on Steve Smith and David Warner's heads and nine months for Cameron Bancroft. But uh, I've heard a lot of uh, your stuff on Drive this week, Goffey, and it has been absolutely riveting. Some sympathy for Smith, Warner and Bancroft, and certainly the way that uh, their reaction has been to them and their personal lives has just gone way beyond anything um, in regard to, you know, the, the, the... to actually match the crime itself. But you just got the feeling there is more to come out from this story. Said it all along. Uh, From day one, I've been consistent in what I've said on it. Um, I think there's a lot more to come out. The story changed so much for me in the first 48 hours. Now, if you go to a crime scene, and I watch plenty of crime programmes on TV, (laughs) right, documentaries, and it always tells you the first 48 hours are critical. And the story changed so much in that first 48 um, I think there's a lot more to come out. You saw from Warner's press conference especially, Oof. that's where a lot of the questions uh, were hopefully going to be answered and they weren't. Um, I know he came out on social media and discussed it after. I think he is being um, careful on what he says and his lawyers have been telling him well, he's got to be careful what he says. But I think there's so much to come out. I really, really do. I cannot believe, and I'll say it again, but three batsmen at your plan to go and cheat... Scratch the ball with sandpaper without not one bowler having actually realised what's going on or any of the coaches. I, I, I just can't get my head around it. As a bowler, I'm always saying from my experience, if a ball come back to me and it had one little scuff on it compared to what it had the previous over, I'd be asking questions. What's happened to the ball? Who's, who's, who's done this? Who's not shined, who's shined the wrong side? A bowler knows his weapon, and that is the ball. He knows it off by art. It's his toy, it's his weapon, it's his livelihood. 
And if it comes back to you changed in any sort of condition, you ask questions. Yet not one you... bowler asks this question. Is there a kind of understanding that you don't ask those questions? No. As a bowler, you would obviously ask that question because the bowl. The, the, you, if you don't know what's going on as a bowler, you need to know what's going on because you're the one who's bowling <laughs> to get the wickets. You have to know what's going on. You 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 have to know um, as, as a bowler. Now, as I've said, and people are misunderstanding what I'm saying about when people talked about Lipsol and sweets and everything else. Right, you put Lipsol on your lips. You put zinc on your lips. To protect yourself from the sun. Right? You put suntan cream on your face to protect yourself from the sun. And we get told, we've had people come in and talk to us about um, the importance of suntan cream and covering up and covering your lips up and zinc and all that. Now, your natural sweat and the way you shine the ball, every so often, and people are getting this so wrong and not understanding... You might get a little bit on the ball, but realistically, is that going to make any difference to the condition of the ball? No. Mm. And that's why it's accepted around the world, but that's great. There's been a bit of a hoo-ha about sweets, and I totally get that. Sweets probably only came into it um, around 2004, 2005. Before that, people were eating chewing gum. Now, the question I will ask is, but do the ICC now to ban Anybody having any sort of stuff in their mouth during a day's play? Because we're athletes. Should you be eating sweets, realistically, when you're on a cricket field? Now, as I said, you're not rubbing the sweet direct onto the ball, but you're obviously using the saliva. Everybody, it doesn't take much working out, using the saliva that you use from the ball to try and shine the ball. Does it make a difference? Do I know the the science behind it and, and everything else that goes with it? No, I've no idea, right? But what they did is unacceptable. They planned to take out sandpaper. Listen to these people, because people don't get it. <laughs> take sandpaper out onto the pitch in their pocket to take it out and scratch the ball with sandpaper. It's totally different to using natural sweat that comes down your forehead, which they've been using for years and years if you're a fastballer. You're going to sweat and a little bit might get on the ball. It doesn't mean you're cheating. You know what I mean by that? It's such a difficult one to explain because, well, oh, it's been going on for years, people have been cheating. No, it's kind of an acceptable thing within cricket because it's just natural. It's a natural thing that happens. The Um, sweet situation is slightly different. Is that natural? I would say not. Uh, Very quickly, because we've got Steve Harmson coming up very shortly, but... uh... Smith, Warner and Bancroft have all been blocked from playing in the IPL, which is uh, starting up here on TalkSport 2 at the end of the week, uh, but also county cricket. Uh, Bancroft dropped from Somerset. Is that right? Um, to be fair, if there wouldn't have been, I, I couldn't see any. Um, I couldn't see any county taking them on this season. I think um, next season, without a doubt, I think if they were available, um, I could see Smith... Absolutely, 100% getting a county next season. But this season, no. I, I, I don't think it would have been right for any county to come in and take them. So I think Somerset have made the right decision. Um, the IPL, I, I was surprised at that. I, I really, really were. Um, um, I didn't think it would affect their contracts in the IPL, but it obviously has. Uh, the BCCI uh, have got involved in it as well. 
Um, so they've got to be whiter than white now moving forward um, with some of their players, um, if anything mm. happens, especially in the IPL. Uh, so I'll be watching carefully uh, that series to see uh, what goes on there. Or listening. And listening um, on TalkSport, <laughs> of course. Um, so we'll see where we go from it. I mean, um, I, I just think 12 months was harsh. I really do. Um, I thought it had been a series ban. I said that from the start. And to get 12 months, um, will that deter people doing it again? Of course it will. But I'll tell you what, you're going to have a lot of nervous cricketers uh, when they're on television thinking, shall I shine the ball? Um, because they'll be scared to death. I think it actually will knock people back from eating sweets now. I think that will all instantly be a knock-on. Will people eat as many sweets as they do on a cricket field now? I don't think they will, because they'll be being watched every step of the way. You're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. So, Goffey, plenty of other crickets uh, taking place over the last week. Obviously, that fourth test match in Johannesburg. Uh, it's a bit of a sideshow, though, really, isn't it? Uh, Tim Payne named captain. Um, handshakes before the match. But a real sense that uh, this series, the sooner it comes to an end now, the better. Oh, I just want it to be over now. I just feel... I'm, I'm, it's almost like Australia. What's happening? They're going to the extreme now. Shaking hands before a game. I saw um, Tim Payne actually picking the bat up when um, the captain got hit on the hand the other day and taking over and making sure he's all right. It's almost like they're going, they're trying too hard to be nice. And I think I don't want to see that. I really, really don't. What they did, the individuals that did it, was a sad day for cricket. It won't happen again, let me assure you. It won't happen again for a lot of years. So let's not just go over the top now with the way Australia are playing their cricket. Um, and I just hope Tim does it his way without feeling under pressure to be OTT and overly nice. Shaking hands before the game. Ridiculous. Uh, the ladies, uh, England ladies, have been in action. Uh, th- there were some good performances in there, but uh, ultimately ended with a, a big defeat to Australia. Yeah, Mark Robinson uh, called for it to have a bit more coverage. Couldn't believe it wasn't on TV. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they lost in the final uh, in Mumbai uh, by 57 runs. They got thrashed, actually, by Australia. Um, Australia made 209 for four, which is a record uh, for women's um, international T20 cricket. Uh, and England only made 152 um, in reply. So, got to the final, but unfortunately got thrashed by Australia in that final. Uh, and cricket returning to Pakistan again. Um, it's been a couple of series there now. Uh, West Indies, I mean, it's a makeshift side because a lot of these guys don't want to travel there yet. Um, but a full house, it was good to see. Three T20s in a row. Um, uh, we'll uh, wait and see if it's more of a competition. Uh, but the fact that it's a competition is, is kind of a sideshow. I mean, you, you've, you've played in Pakistan. It's just so important for world cricket. We don't have that many countries playing it that we get, some, uh, get the international teams back there. Do you know something? I've said this, um, said it to you on the on this show uh, in the past weeks. I enjoyed touring Pakistan. I really, really did. I had some terrific memories from that tour. Uh, obviously, we won, uh, which helps. 
Um, and I enjoyed playing in, in, in all the places I played. And it was just good to see uh, the PSL, the Pakistan um, Cricket League, Super League, whatever they call it now, doing going back there. And and that's been the key now to getting international cricket back there. And um, West Indies touring there, good, good on them. There's going to be other teams that follow. And hopefully we get some good cricket and, and everyone stays safe. Um, and the county championship, we're, we're nearly there, although I'm seeing pictures of snow. Is it snowing again in the UK? It's um, not where but... I live, it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's all right then. You could play cricket in the rain. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're approaching that time of the year again. Is it, it's the start of April um, and uh, we're going to be getting the county team up and running. Is it really? Is it really the start of the season? <laughs> um, unbelievable. Uh, I saw Ian Bell uh, started off with 100 uh, in a practice game um, for Warwickshire the other day. So he's in good form start of the season. People will be calling, bring Ian Bell back uh, for England at the start of the year. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to it. We've got some fantastic cricket ahead, uh, not only on talk sport, but in cricket in general. So I'm looking forward to the season. Um, the weather has been patchy. We've had... Unbelievable days over the past week, followed by rain and, like I said, snow in certain areas. So uh, we just let's can't wait. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to um, England um, getting over this series and playing against Pakistan and India. I think it's two great series, well supported, um, and we're going to have a great summer. Um, we'll talk about this at length, obviously, as the season starts. But uh, your old cat, well, your Oh, Yorkshire, your old county. We won't talk about Essex uh, for the moment. How do you uh, how do you see them shaping up for the season ahead? Well, I think there's a bit of pressure on the coach uh, this year. I'm a big fan of him, um, Gailey. I think he's done a, um, a, a terrific job. I thought Yorkshire had the best of it under Jason Gillespie. They had a fantastic squad, everybody at their peak, and gradually they've gone away. The bowlers are getting older. Some have retired. Um, I think it's going to be a very difficult one to win it, but Looking at the depth of Yorkshire's squad, they should be up there. So there's a bit of pressure on them to perform this season. I tell you, um, a signing that kind of went under the uh, the radar, not uh, not with us. Actually, no, I think it was a week. It was a week you were off. Actually, Harmy was in the hot seat, and we uh, we profiled Durham. Uh, with Neil Colleen, uh, one of Harmy's old mates and a coach at the club, uh, and it was around the week that uh, Aidan Markram uh, signed up for the uh, upcoming season. <laughs> now. He's, his um, year, first year in international cricket is up there with some of the very best. Uh, two big centuries against Australia. Um, he looks the part. He came into the side just after South Africa lost to England last year. So he hasn't been in around that long. Uh, but uh, he could be one of the signings of the summer. And even Virat Kohli um, sending out messages of congratulations to him, top player. So that's coming from the very best. Um, so mm. it'll be interesting how he performs. It's not an easy place to bat, Durham, especially the no. first two months of the season. So good luck to him. Um, and we have, we've got some great overseas players uh, coming to play county cricket. Um, say So it's, it's going to be an interesting season. I'm going to be... After Essex got thrashed by the MCC in the season opener, it'd be interesting how they come back from it um, start the season. Champions last year have had a remarkable two years. New coach in Mag- uh, Glenn McGrath, um, Anthony McGrath, sorry. Um, mm, new coach. So it'd be interesting to see how Essex performed, trying to retain the title. Never going to be easy. And I think the best for me, if they win it again, it would be an unbelievable performance. But I think realistically, to stay up, I think it'll be a good effort because... Oh, that is a strong division. 
Division 1. It's a real strong division. Uh, well, we've talked about the county championship coming up. We're going to be talking about the Indian Premier League because it's back on TalkSport 2 uh, this uh, weekend. And just a reminder, TalkSport 2, the place to be every Monday night uh, uh, for Darren Goff's Cricket Week as Goffy and myself discuss and debate all the biggest uh, cricket stories. Uh, you can listen to TalkSport 2 or on DAB, online and via the TalkSport app. And we're available online as a podcast on iTunes, so uh, please subscribe and leave a nice review. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week. Coming up, IPL Chat, and this is TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Six four six six six. It's like a telephone number. Not sure after the fourth ball of the over. Stokes comes down the pitch, goes over the leg side, and gets all of it. Balls onto Austin. It's gone high in the air from Butler. Is going to make the boundary. It is six runs. As this if again is driven beautifully through cover for four. Oh, Lender Simmons. That's one of the shots of the night. Nice ball, Chris Gale. Mills comes in. Bottom of middle and leg. Absolutely brilliant delivery. And this one is high in the air. Has it got the distance? Oh, yes, it has. That's gone miles. A massive one for Yusuf Pathan. He goes again. And another one. Consecutive sixes for Pathan. Marsh has gone long. And Marsh has gone very long. Who heaves it away on the leg side for six. Oh, yes. Yes. The Indian Premier League is back on TalkSport 2. All the action getting underway uh, next weekend. Our first uh, game, Delhi Daredevils versus Kings Eleven Punjab Sunday. The uh, programme starts at 11 and Andrew McKenna and Alex Tudor will be talking you through that one. Uh, Goffey, um, you know, this is a tournament that's been around now. It's uh, part of the furniture. Ten years, I think, it's been going. Um, but more and more English involved. Um, and once again... You're looking through the teams and uh, it's going to be a fascinating tournament uh, to call, uh, especially when you consider that two of the old big guns, Chennai Super Kings and Rajasthan Royals, are back in the, uh, back in the action. Yep, um, agree. Uh, Chennai Super Kings, uh, without doubt, one of the strong uh, teams. The coach the, they've got him back is Flem. Um, the, the double act is Dorney as his captain. I think they've got some good players in there as well. You look at uh, Bravo, Dwayne Bravo, experience have gone for Faf Duplessis, Shane Watson. Um, and then they've gone for the pace, haven't they? Mark Wood and Ngidi, who's probably going to um, open the bowling. So one of them two will open the bowling. So interesting mm. side, Chennai, strong side. I expect them uh, to be competing um, again for, 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 for the honours. But... When you look through through it, though, I'm actually a little bit disappointed with some of the teams because, I'm like the Delhi Daredevils, Ricky Pont is coming now. I think he's going to make a difference as a coach. But they're a team yeah. now that have they've underperformed for so many years. Well, they're, Rick, they're the outsiders this year, least fancied side in the IPL. Yeah, and I think you can tell the Ricky Ponting, you can tell the type of cricketer he likes and what he's gone for, can't you? He wants exciting batsmen at the top. He's got Munro and Jason Roy. He loves yeah. Glenn Maxwell. Let's let's just get this straight. He's absolutely <laughs> massive, massive fan of Glenn who's, Maxwell. Who's been pretty hit and miss in the IPL, let's he's, be fair. It's... He's been pretty hit and miss. But when you look at the bowlers he's got, I think he's got two excellent opening bowlers, by the way, in Rabada yeah, and Trent Bolt. Totally agree. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to be really strong. 
uh, up there uh, as well. So Delhi, I expect them to improve. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they'll definitely um, will have improved. Um, well, I think um, the other thing with Delhi is, you know, they've they've got. Well, you'd say it's an unproven... See, this is the thing. It's playing in India, isn't it? So you mm. see some of these guys, you know, smashing cricket balls all around the world. But let's go back to Chennai just for a second, because you mentioned Mark Wood and, and Gidi. Neither of them have ever played in India before. Now, you're someone who has played in India. I mean, what kind of challenges is that going to be? Uh, forget the crowds, forget the pressure, forget the, uh, the, the, the spotlight being on you. Just playing in India... Um, and you've never done so before. That must be, uh, that's going to be quite a test. It is. Um, and I think when you talked about, uh, when we talk about horses for courses and bowlers doing well on certain pitches, Mark Wood, I think, will be better suited to India if he can get mm. the ball full than he would be probably in Australia. Sounds daft, really, doesn't it? But I think he, he can naturally uh, reverse the ball into the batsman, um, skiddy. Uh, and on certain pitches out there, I think he will be ineffective because he's got a good slower ball and he's got a good bouncer. I think he's got all the attributes to perform in India and I think it's a good signing. Um, I'm not sure if he'll play, though. I think mm. uh, this Ngidi uh, from South Africa, I thought he bowled really, really well against Australia. I think he'll get, uh, I think he'll get the first uh, chance uh, to impress because they've got, remember, they've got Imran Tahir. I think he'll be a big player for them. Um, with his leg spin, he's a very good bowler in uh, T20 cricket. You talk about Delhi Daredevils, and I'm fascinated by them because I thought they were better than their league position was last year. They lost a couple of close ones early on and never really managed to mount a challenge. But, you know, they've got brilliant overseas bowling, as you say. Um, it'd be great to see Jason Roy getting a proper go because, you know, he was with the Gujarat Lions last year. And he was basically in a side with Aaron Finch, Brendan McCullum, Dwayne Smith, and there's one other one. But essentially they had four openers, but they were always going in with Suresh Rayner at three or four. So very often they, they didn't really have any idea mm. of what their, their best way to go, go at things at the top of the order. Well, so I think that's I'd one like of the problems to see him with do the, well. That's one of the problems with the IPL. They, they just go out and get these names and they don't know how they're going to fit them into the side. You've just talked about exactly. Chennai there. How are they going to get four overseas players in? I think Delhi, same thing. Glenn Maxwell, 100% is going to play as one of them, right? Yeah. Then they've got Chris Morris, who they retained Delhi, which was the strangest retain I've ever seen <laughs> in IPL history. Because they've got Trent Bolton Rabada. So there's no way they're going to play Trent Bolton Rabada, which two should start for me. Chris Morris, they're not going to play three ballers, are they? Let's let's get no. this straight. So then they've only got they've got them two, and then they've got two and three. So it's Munro, Roy, or Maxwell they're going to go with. Because Chris, Chris Morris, for me, is not going to, surely, he's not going to be in that uh, first four overseas players. So Well, Gam- Gambier will open. Yeah. Gambier will open. So I reckon it's between Munro and Roy. Maxwell will play. I reckon Morris will play. And they'll so, choose between Rabada and Bolt. No, they're going to play both of them. They're going to play Bolt with the new ball, Rabada, um, and you, you can bowl Shami and Bolt with the new ball because that's their uh, their Indian bowler. Rabada first change. That's for me. That, mm. That's where they've got to go, uh, Delhi. That looks strong. Yeah, it's, that, that's strong. Bowling, people always try to concentrate too much on the batting in T20. You have strong bowlers. You don't have to chase yeah. as many runs. Let's just think about this for a moment. Yeah. We, let's not just possess ourselves with batsmen in T20. Bowlers are very important. 
because it sets out the intent. If you set out the intent just to get through the 20 overs and chase whatever, that's the wrong way to go about it. You've got to go into a game having bowlers in your team that can bowl out the opposition. Let's talk about uh, Registan Royals because, of course, that's going to be one that uh, a lot of English fans are going to be very interested in. Ben Stokes, Joss Butler, and I know he's not technically English yet, but we can class him in there anyway. Joffre Archer. It's going to be fascinating to see how they do. Yeah. Register and Royals. Um, I think they are going to be a favourite. They've got Warney back involved as well, and they? As a, yep, a, a kind of back. mentor. Um, ben Stokes is obviously going to create interest from over here with Josh Butler and Joffrey Archer. And they've also got, for me, uh, who's been an outstanding player um, in the BBL, which was Darcy Shaw. Massive fan of him. I think he's fantastic. And they've got Zahir Khan as well. So, Radistan Rolls, I think they should be competing um, as a team. Um, they've got Rahan uh, as their major batter, really, their Indian batsman. Um, I, the only thing which I'd be worried about Radistan Rolls is getting enough runs on the board. Steve Smith's uh, yeah, not going to be there now, remember? No, Steve's, no Steve Smith. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Runs on the that. ball could be the problem for them. Let's uh, talk Mumbai Indians, the favourites again this year. They have, you know, they won it last year, but they have, it's been a complete revamp of their side. Mm. Of, the, of the team that won the final, and it was a brilliant final, uh, Rohit Sharma, uh, the two Panjas, Pollard and Bumrah, they're the only survivors. Um, so... <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that untested openers again, brilliant all-rounders, no, uh, no English in there. Um, I'm not sure I'd put them as favourites, to be no, honest. not me neither. Um, I don't like the uh, the makeup of their side. I like Evan Lewis, <coughs> excuse me, who's going to open the batting. <clears throat> and obviously they've got Pollard. I can't believe Dominey's got another um, um, no. uh, crack at it uh, in the IPL. And Ben Cutting uh, and Berendoff, um I'm surprised as well. But Pat Cummins is a good signing. Um, I think we've all seen he's in good form. Um, he's at the top of his game. He's fit. He's yeah. bowling wickets. He can knock over the top order. He's good with the reverse swing, which we've seen in South Africa. I know it's a touchy subject, but he, um, he's bowled pretty well <laughs> when it's reversed. So Mumbai, I'm surprised by some of their signings. Um, I, I don't think they'll win it this year. But listen, it's it, like I said, the IPL is such an unpredictable uh, place um, you can never write off any one of the teams because you get off to a good start. Momentum takes you in in the shorter form of the game, and um, if they get off to a good start, you never know. Royal Challengers Bangalore—they are always the favourites, or there or thereabouts. They had a terrible season last year. Uh, they've changed things around, and now you look at this side and you're, you're trying to work out what's going on a bit. You know, yes, Virat Kohli is still there. Yes, A.B. de Villiers is still there. Safraz Khan, who's uh, an exciting youngster who was injured for all last year, he's back. Moeen Ali, Chris Wokes in the side. Now, Chris Wokes, I think, could have a, a brilliant IPL. Mm. Uh, you've got to worry a little bit about Moeen Ali's temperament. Um, I don't think they're going to finish last, but this, for me, is going to be a fascinating season for a team which has got so much stardust sprinkled over it. But once again, they're going to struggle to get these overseas stars in there. Oh, that's what I mean. Vittori's under pressure as a coach. Uh, poor season last year. I think they should be starting favourites. But you got it spot on. You're going to look at the makeup of the side. And how he's going to get the four in? I have no idea. 
absolute no idea. They've got about three wicket keepers in their squad. They've got <laughs> loads of all-rounders, loads of bowlers. I just don't know where they're going to go. He's always going to play Brendan McCullum. Uh, so McCullum's going to play, A.B. de Villiers is going to play, and Quinton de Kock. They're, they're the three. So you're going to pick then one other player between Ali, de Grandom, Wokes, Cortenile, Southie, Khan. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, I don't know how they're going to get, uh, how he's going to get to picking their four. And they had the same problem last year, was picking four overseas players. And I think they're going to have the same problem yet again. Um, very quickly, Sunrisers Hyderabad. Uh, Harsha Bogle on Twitter today saying that Hyderabad without David Warner is like Barcelona without Messi. Um, there's no doubt about it. He is going to be a massive loss for them. Their captain, leading run scorer, and he took them to the to the championship. They they won the IPL two years ago. Um, but in the side, Alex Hales, what an opportunity for him. I, I actually uh, quite like the uh, Sunrisers. Uh, Tom Moody knows what he's doing as a coach. Uh, Ken Williamson is going to be a better captain than um, Warner, so I don't think that affects him on that. Alex Hales, yeah, he's not quite David uh, Warner, uh, but I think he's uh, an underrated player, and I think in 20-over cricket, he will win you uh, two or three games in this tournament. Shakib Alassane. Excellent overseas signing, um, had success in the IPL. Carlos Brathwaite, not so sure now. No, I think his I'm days were sure done. Either. Chris Jordan, I think I'd have him in every single game uh, yeah. in, in that side. And then they've got Billy Stanley. Oh, let, let's be fair, he was impressive when I watched him play uh, for Australia in T20 cricket. He knocks the top order over. He's quick, he's tall. Um, so I actually like Sunrisers. Uh, and lastly, KKR, Kolkata Knight Riders, a team that I like watching last year. They've lost uh, the heartbeat of their team, really. No Gautam Gambier, Chris Wokes has gone, Colin de Gronholm. So they're going to do things differently. Uh, they're going to do it, though, with only 19 players. Uh, Stark's been ruled out. Tom Curran, we think, is going in there. Not sure that's quite like for like. No. Nope. Uh, what injury worries over Andre Russell, who missed last year because of that uh, drugs ban, uh, and Chris Lynn as well. Really difficult to tell what's going to happen with this team, but if they can get the players on the pitch, their first eleven, I think, is right up there. Yeah, first eleven's right up there, but yet again, I'm I'm not that impressed with their overseas signings. Chris Lynn, I think, is uh, one of the best. I, I, if I was a coach, I'd be looking to get Chris Lynn into my side. There's no doubt. Cameron Delport, he does a decent job without being spectacular. Good squad player. Good to bring in when they need a replacement. Narayan, obviously, we all know how important he is and they rely on spin so much, do mm. uh, Calcutta Knight Riders, and I think he's such a big player for them, so he's definitely going to play in most of the games. And they've got old, uh, the experience of Mitchell Johnson. Is he really the bowler he was two or three years ago? Let's be fair to it, I would say no. Um, and Tom Curran is a strange one uh, to replace Mitchell Stark. He's such a big player, Mitchell Stark. He knocks over and blows away the tail end and Tom Curran's not that type of bowler. A good player to have in your squad, but nothing in, he's not in the same league as a Mitchell Stark. Well, the action gets underway next weekend. This weekend, actually. Sunday the 8th, our first game on TalkSport 2. Delhi Daredevils against Kings Eleven Punjab. Um, and we shall see just uh, how right we are, Goffey. Uh, Gareth Batty going to be joining us in the studio for the last hour of the show. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Top Sport 2.
You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2 with me, John Norman, and uh, Darren Goff, of course. And we're delighted to say we've been joined in the studio uh, by a man who doesn't mind working on a bank holiday. It's uh, oh, Surrey in England's Gareth Batty, very much uh, part of the station's IPL coverage over the last couple of years. Um, and uh, hopefully that will continue as well, Bats. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, man. Mm, good morning. So where do we start then? I mean, there's so much going on since we last spoke, uh, Gareth. Uh, but I suppose we should start with England. Um, we're kind of at a bit of a weird point in the second Test match in so far that uh, they could make fools of us. They could take 10 wickets on day five, win the Test match, draw the series. Um, or, as I expect, it will... Uh Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Bad light will uh, prevent uh, any more than six or seven wickets falling and we can all gnash our teeth at the fact England have once again failed to win away. Um, what we can agree on about, or can accurately foresee, is that as we approach the summer, um, the same old problems really are affecting this England team that have been for quite some time and there's question marks over the spinner, um, over the uh, third seamer um, and over Alistair Cook, who uh, once again um, has uh, not had a happy winter. Uh, do you expect to see Cookie in that first test match against Pakistan at the end of May? Uh, I would personally, um, because I think um, he's certainly on the right uh, for a little bit of time. Um, I certainly think the selectors should be looking at a contingency plan if he doesn't sort of start the, the English season well. Um, but I, I think, you know, and, and, and Mark Storman's a, a, a colleague of mine and a friend of mine at Surrey, you know, he's not absolutely nailed down that spot. So um, it's how the selectors are looking, I suppose, um, as, to, um, as to further down the line what's going to happen with the opening spots with England. Talk to us about Stormman. We haven't seen the best of him. It, it, it looks to me as though he's had starts 
He's had starts, but he's not gone on and got that big one. If he'd have just got one, turned one of them into a bigger, and I think we'd have all been saying he's a definite to start the summer. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's the old thing, and and Goffey, it would have it would have happened with you in your career. In your first few Test matches, you make a performance that literally just buys you that another five or six Test matches. Um, and I, I think from a batting point of view, we saw it with Strauss back in the day. You get a hundred early, all of a sudden, oh yeah, he's a definite England player. There's no question mark. And I, I think the thing for Stoneman is that um, he's not actually got that um, monkey off his back for one of a better expression. That um, people are still they've got a bit of an avenue to say, well, is he? Isn't he? Um, certainly, seeing him in close quarters, he works very hard. He's got all the the attributes of an international cricketer. Um, but unfortunately, like we know with the modern world, and always has been, and, and always should be for for international cricketers, it's about the the, the runs or the wickets, uh, depending on what discipline you have, that um, that are your currency. And he's just been just fractionally off it. But um, it it is a big change from first class cricket to Test cricket. Um, so I would personally give him a bit more time, but obviously I'm a bit biased. What What is it like when you're a, a county cricketer uh, and you play for England to to go from a, a position where you, your skills are up there, but you're suddenly getting so much more scrutiny? You know, I remember reading a, a piece about Keaton Jennings. Um, when he was struggling at the top of the order, uh, he would be in the dressing room, the TV would be on, and he'd have to listen to Mike Atherton or Bob Willis uh, examining his technique. Um, then he'd have to go out on the field. And uh, the, before play, they play the highlights uh, whilst the teams are warming up. And you've got to hear your own dismissal in front of the crowd. And you've got to hear the comment- commentary of that. You know, that must be so difficult to come to terms with. I, I, it is, 100%. And I, and I think the world is getting harder for the younger players because of social media and everything that goes with it. And it's a lot more interactive. You're a lot more accessible um, from a, the wider public audience than you probably ever have been. Um, but that's part and parcel of it. And I, I think um, it's just getting used to that. And that, that is why a lot of the bigger names in cricket are saying we need this franchise cricket um, in England because it, it's not so much... Um, about the cricket that's played on the field. It's the razzmatazz, it's everything that goes with it uh, to get players used to the scrutiny of international cricket. Um, my personal view on, on anything changing room-wise and anything like that, the TV, you can have it on if you want to see things, but there's no volume. You don't need to hear what these guys are saying because actually it's, you, all you should care about um, on that day is the people within your change room and what you're going to do that day. Now, if that all fails then you may open the doors and you say, right, actually, we've got to get better at this. And actually, you should do that even if you do well. You need to get better every day. So you seek advice from every corner. You take it in. If it's not great advice or it's not what's going to work for you, you you spit it out the other side. But if it's good, you take it on board and you try and make yourself better. Mm. Bats, from watching these uh, two tests, um, England and New Zealand, obviously uh, the, the disaster that was the Ashes, when you look at it now, and um, we all know, I mean, it's it's very hard. We all try and pick our sides for this moving forward and things. But I think you've got it spot on with Alistair Cook. It's all about now. We still don't know our team for the first test against Pakistan. I think players are going to have to come back, aren't they? And they've got to start the season scoring runs. Because there's players like Gubbins. There's players like um, Sam Northeast, East, uh, to uh, Lancashire, who have, are the only ones really have put their name 
into the hat, really, as possible selections for that first test. Oh, Gleeson, you could go down the Gleeson route, couldn't you? Don Best from Somerset. There are another two lads who have put their name forward. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a real difficult one. My take on selection, um, and I go back to a pre-gone era, that um, Australia, when they were at their, at their strongest, they had 20 to 30 blokes playing first-class cricket who churned every year. You knew you could pick any one of those and they'd do mm. a blooming good job. I think the problem that we have at the minute is, because we're wanting to get more youth in, because um, it's a more ruthless business, you're not getting the continuity um, every year of saying, right, oh, this bloke, last five years, he's got 1,200 runs. Because 1,000 runs, for me, is not good enough to play international cricket. On the pitches that you play on now, the balls are not as swingy as they used to be, so on and so forth. I, I think a 1,000 runs is, is underachieving if you want to play international cricket. So you should be looking at 12, 1,300. And if you're an international batsman, you should be doing that year in, year out. Uh, same with the bowling. You know, you should be a 50-wicket-a-year man absolutely nailed down. So for me, a lot of it goes back to the selectors. Um, I, I would have definitely 100% gone horses for courses. Wherever you play in the world, there are certain types of bowlers that, that help. Spot on. And I would have gone with that as well, bats. 100%. Absolutely 100%, mate. Well, you look at why did Plunkett not go originally to Australia? <laughs> a big, tall fella, balls fast, is aggressive. He backs up Anderson and Broad. So if the ball's doing a bit, Anderson Broad, whiz bang. They're, they're amazing. Absolutely brilliant. But you've got a battering ram at the other end. With all due respect to a, a, Mark, a Mark Wood, he's, he's quite short. Yes, he might have a bit of pace, but on those pitches, if you're short and you don't get your length right, you're going to go up four and over without bowling badly. Whereas a taller bowler, you can just hold the game a bit more. And it's a bit more, uh, you know, there's a, it's a bit more fearful for a start. I, I just think the selectors have got it wrong on, on, on occasions, that's all. Gareth, you've been playing professional cricket for 20 years now. Do you believe that batsman's offensive technique has got worse in that time? Yeah, I, and I think that everybody would um, acknowledge that um, because the world has changed, not just our game and our great game, I'll add. Um, the world has changed. Everybody wants everything yesterday. So young players coming into a team, young players playing a sport, any sport, uh, are more direct. They're not as prepared. They're not prepared to be as patient as maybe uh, they once were so you look at how you can hit fours and sixes without getting out for as long a period as possible face 50 balls get 100 that's not quite how it works in test cricket you need to face 200 balls and you might get 100 but if you can't face 200 balls more often than not you're not going to get your 100 so it, it's uh, it's a culmination of everything um, and I think we have to be very understanding of it because 2020 cricket is amazing it's brilliant 50-over cricket is just as good. It just takes a bit longer. And the longer form of the game is test cricket for a reason. It's called test cricket because it's a real test. It's a test of your mind, your body and your skill uh, over a long period of time. So we're very lucky. We have a game that has three facets within the one. It's amazing. Do you think one of the problems as well, though, you talked about the players there and having no patience. I think it's the same with the coaches, though, as well, Bats, because yep. I think but coaches now, when you looked in our day, um, and I hate doing that sometimes, but just to just to give you an example, you look at a batter, you think, yeah, he's your guaranteed he's going to try and bat through one end and let some of the other players play around him. Every team had one or two of them in their top six. Yep. But I just think now coaches are looking for players that all play this 360 degrees that they've got in the back of their mind, oh, he'll be good for my one-day stuff. It's not, oh, he'll be great for my four-day championship cricket. It's always... 
one-day cricket. Even the coaches are looking for that type of cricketer rather than looking for a player that will be able to bat for a 90 overs in a day. Yeah, and, and the skills are so, so different. Yeah. Um, you, you know that, Goffey, obviously. You know, that you, you're literally from naught to 100. There's a bit in the middle that we keep forgetting. Um, and I, I, I do think it's, um, it's a curious time for the game um, because I think there's a place for everything. I really do mean that. And I, I think we've got to champion the fact that 2020 is amazing, brilliant. But when ki- I, I see a lot of kids at the Oval, uh, the Keir Oval, sorry, and um, 2020, they'll come up, they'll talk to me and stuff. And you can bet your life, if you give them two minutes of a bit of a chat, sign an autograph, you'll see them there on a four-day game. They just love cricket. So 2020 is a wane for the youngsters. But I tell you what, once they get going, they want to play the longer form. It's just not as cool to say that. Uh, and I, I think we've got to champion all forms of the game because we're very lucky to have all three. I can't, I can't name another sport where you can break it down like that. Mm. Um, very briefly, Bats, um, your views on the punishments handed out to uh, the, the Sandpaper 3? Extreme. Um, I think um, politicians and presidents and prime ministers should stick to their job and leave the cricket to the sports people. The ICC dealt out their um, their punishment and they're our governing body. Um, if Cricket Australia want to do it further like they have, I think it's got to be within touching distance of what the ICC have said. Um, I feel so sorry for, for the chap Steve Smith and Bancroft um, because... Um, I thought Steve Smith was extremely honest and humble the way he's spoken about things um, and I do believe he wasn't too, too involved in it um, but I think he's protecting a lot of other good people around him which I think is uh, a very admirable thing. Uh, Bancroft, young fellow, should never be put in that position. That goes without saying. Um, but uh, I think it's extremely harsh and very a very sad time for the game because we're losing um, a wonderful um, player in, in Steve Smith. Mm. Uh, you're listening to uh, Gareth Batty on Daryl Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Test of time! With Darren Goff on TalkSport 2. That's gone away for four. 250 for Brian Lara. Brings it up in the most majestic of fashions. There he goes. That's a 300 for Lara. He'll get there comfortably. Second triple century for Brian Lara. And isn't he happy? Only the second man in the history of the game to get two triple centuries. There it is. The world record has fallen once again to Brian Charles Lara of Trinidad and Tobago and the West Indies. The second time in his career that he's broken this record 399 Brian Lara on strike there goes the sweep there it is perhaps the most significant single ever in the history of test match cricket Brian Charles Lara becomes the first man in the history of the game to register a score of 400 Gareth, uh, do you think Ashley Giles took one look at that pitch and uh, feigned illness? I think he heard about the pitch a week out and uh, falling off a jet ski was a very, very clever move. <laughs> <laughs> to, be fair, to, to, be, to, Sorry, to be fair, go, go, playing go, go. In, 
<laughs> to be fair, playing against um, uh, the West Indies in the West Indies is a dream job, if we're going to be honest about oh, yeah. it. If you could do one tour, well, two tours, it's a very difficult one. Your first one would obviously be Australia for the Ashes. The second would be the Caribbean, wouldn't it? That's oh, amazing. It, it was, I mean, it, even taking that out, it was just an, an amazing trip. And, and with, with us winning the series mm. as comfortably as we had, um, yeah, all right, it wasn't a great ending... Uh, for uh, for me personally, but um, no, for the for the team and the group uh, and England, it was uh, what an experience. It was amazing. Um, looking back at this Test match, uh, Gareth, uh, you know we we know a lot of the story already, don't we? We know that the West Indies were three 0 down. Um, we know that uh, there was a lot of pressure on Lara as captain of a, a side that was struggling. Um, we know uh, we know a lot about what happened on that uh, on those couple of days as well. But one thing that I forgot uh, was the fact that Matthew Hoggard went down with a stomach bug, and Steve Harmison um, was banned for bowling for part of the uh, match because he had run down the pitch once too often. On purpose. Um, well, <laughs> well, it's cleverer exactly. than you're giving him credit yeah. for that big yeah. fella. <laughs> exactly. And actually, Simon Jones as well was having an absolute torrid time. So you, Triscothic, and Michael Vaughan had to bowl quite a few overs in that match. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one. We knew sort of, even during the third test match, that uh, Antigua was going to be flat as your hat. Um, it was at the old rec ground. It's quite small, and the pitch is notoriously good for batting. And they were saying, "There's no way you're going to win four um, nil. We're going to make sure that it's going to be a run feast, and so on and so forth." Um, and and Lara in the series, had, by his amazing standards, hadn't had um, a great time of it. Um, Harmy and, and Fred had the wool on him a little bit, um, and even that game, um, he uh, we we thought he nicked off first ball. I was at point, um, and Vaughan had made us go out, and it was wet. The outfield was sogging wet. If you see any pictures of it, there's mud splatters all up your back That's legs. Right, it was rain after. on day one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and we got on early, and, and Harmy definitely nicked him off. Caught and we went up, not out, and then literally the floodgates opened, <laughs> and he middled every single ball all the way to 400, and uh, it was absolutely incredible to be on the ground to see arguably you know in everybody's eyes it's him or Tendulkar or Ponting the best players uh, well I'm not I'm not qualified to comment uh, I just know that this guy is well out of my league and it was an absolute privilege to have seen him um, at first hand how good people can be at the game that I love well do you know so I played against Lara a few times um, I was lucky enough to miss his uh, world record in 1994 of 375, uh, so I missed that one. Um, I had I had an injury, <laughs> so I missed that. Tactical, yeah. So that was an amazing uh, spectacle, and I think what makes this more spectacular for Lara as a player was he was desperate to to have the top scores, wasn't he? In all forms, if mm. you think about it, he'd already got the 500 nod, and he was dropped on that, by the way, uh, when he got 500 for Warwickshire. Um, and then Matthew Aden broke his record, didn't he? That was in Zimbabwe, wasn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, it was against Zimbabwe. And then um, he was desperate to do that. And he had only had Aden had only had the record six months before Lara's innings here in Antigua. And as an individual for Brian, he must have thought, well, I, I quite enjoy because she was a cricketer. 
you do have certain grounds, don't you? You prefer to others, and you do better yeah. on other grounds. So he's probably thinking, I've got in the bag a three seven five on this ground, <laughs> and he's going back there on a shirt fronter. <laughs> I, th- I, I reckon what he did was he looked at the attack and he said, right, if Flintoff and Armisen don't get me out, Ogard's going to go downhill. I can take the rest <laughs> down comfortably to 400. <laughs> How do you bowl to Brian Lara? Don't ask me. Ask somebody else. I don't have a clue. He got four hundred. <laughs> well, I'll tell you well, how you well, do bowl. You, where you have to bowl to him is, but on a flat pitch, it can be very, very difficult. Um, but I tell you, if, if there's just a little bit with the new ball, anything in it, he goes right back on his stumps. And if there is a little bit of movement early on, full and straight, similar to what people used to do against Kevin Peterson. Yeah. Full and straight, first two, three, four deliveries, and you've got a chance with Lara. His feet are not moving. His head's probably not in the right place when he first comes in. But once he gets that steel about him, once he gets in, he doesn't want to get 100. He doesn't want to get 150. He wants to get 300 plus. And he went on to get 400 against Bats, poor lad. Um, (laughs) On an absolute... And it was flat. Let's be fair to it as well. It was the flattest pitch you could probably ever prepare, Antigua. Can I read a a headline from The Sun? I don't know if it's Etheridge who wrote the article. It probably was, actually. (laughs) It says, let's be honest... Roy Orbison could have scored 400 not out on that pitch. <laughs> he probably could against me. <laughs> um, it was um, it, it was a successful tour, though, wasn't it? I mean, it, it is remembered for 400 not out, uh, but it was also remembered for uh, England actually beating West Indies in a series for the first time since 1968. So, uh, you know, there must have been quite a buzz around the side and also quite a lot of optimism about where that team was going. Yeah, I think I think it was quite evident that um, that was uh, well, maybe even a, a year before that there was something building, and Goffey was around um, that time as well. You could feel there was something building. There was there was some who people who ended up being wonderful players for England just sort of getting to their peak. And your Flint off, your Harmison, Harmy got the seven for twelve at Jamaica that tour. Um, you could just see people coming of age. Hoggard um, knew his role magnificently well when the ball was swinging. Um, we had a very good coach who was very meticulous in understanding batsman uh, frailties and he just uh, sort of topping on to what Goffey said about Lara. Uh, Fletcher said you've got to get Lara early because he has a lot of movement. There's a lot to go wrong. Mm. He looked at stats, he looked at his movement, technique, everything. And he was sort of like, look, first 20, 20 30 balls. If you get him, that's the best time to get him. It's the best time to get any batter. Well, we went from that series in 2000, 2001, um, when we played in England, where myself and Craig White, early doors, kept getting him out. Yeah. Um, Full ball, LBW, and he just kept kept missing it, except for Lords. Or Old Trafford, I think he got 100 in in both innings. Uh, So, like you say, when he gets in, he cashes in, doesn't he, Brian? Yeah. But that, that was it not at Old Trafford that he was sort of 60 not out at lunchtime and he went into the nets for the hall of lunch yeah. and then went out and batted again? I mean, that's just incredible, isn't it? Well, he just loves batting. He always has done and that one, he obviously did it. Just go back to that Antigua uh, test match because he took a lot of criticism after that test. I yeah, couldn't believe it. I was about to mention that, Great, Because a lot of people said it was a selfish knock. And, and when you look at it, you think, oh, it was a brilliant piece of history. But it was quite selfish, really, wasn't it? It cost him you know the game, what? didn't it? Yeah. I tell you what, guys, I mean, not that my viewpoint weighs as much as yours, but at the time, I remember feeling that, I remember feeling it it cheated, it cheated West Indies a little bit out of a chance to actually win a test match. I mean, now, 20 years on, we're talking about it, not quite 20 years actually, but 15 years on, we're talking about it, 
Um, and I suppose we wouldn't be if West Indies had won that match or, or whatever had happened. But, you know, I was just looking looking at this match and I was doing a bit of research. But here's a, here's a couple of other quotes from that time. Uh, Ricky Ponting, uh, it, this isn't the way we play our cricket. Um, their whole first innings might have been geared around one individual performance and they could have let a test match slip because of it. They ran out of time in the game. Uh, and uh, the late, great Tony Gregg, uh, I'm not raving about the innings. I have to praise it for the sheer fact he stayed in so long, but it wasn't an innings you could be in awe of. Um well, they didn't win the game, was it? Was it one match no, winning game? Didn't. I think that's what they're all saying. And realistically, they should have declared on day two when they were about five fifty and given themselves an hour to ball at England at the end of day two. Bats, you played in the game. Is that what should have happened? Well, I remember beating the bat when he was on three hundred and two and thinking you should be pulling out here because the pitch is gone. <laughs> Um, but he just kept whacking me into the stand after that. Um, but no, I mean, it was definitely out there. And, and during the whole game, we were thinking there's a lot of time being taken out of the game um, for Lara's innings. Um, and it was a bit of a procession around all that. Um, but I, I suppose the other viewpoint to take is, had Lara not have got the world record, psychologically, would that have had the same effect on us? Um, would it? Would they have sort of um, had that edge over us for the, for the other sort of two and a half days batting that we had? Uh, would we have been... Uh, would we have played differently? I don't know. It's it's all about um, perspective of, of what's going on around you, I suppose. Mm. Um, and then following the uh, following this match itself, I mean, the reaction when he reached uh, four hundred uh, that must have been pretty special. I mean, the, I've been in, at the wreck as well. I was there in two thousand and nine um, with the West Indies clinging on for a draw as the shadows were lengthening. And you know, it's it's. It's a ground. If you've never been there before, it's a ground slap bang in the middle of town. Um, they open the doors after tea, so you can just walk in, and it's the kind of place where the atmosphere just grows throughout the day, isn't it? It must have been something special uh, when he actually reached the uh, the milestone. Yeah, it was an interesting one because I, I just sort of veered down the leg side. He got a sweep out. It was going straight to Thorpey, and Thorpey didn't want to get his whites dirty, so I knew it had <laughs> gone past him. So he's going to get the 400, and I don't know if anybody's seen the, the footage of me at that point. I'm sort of shouting at the floor, will you dive, Thorpe, you bleep, 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 bleep. Um, so for the next five minutes, all I was thinking was he got his 200th run off me, his 300th, and now his 400th, and Thorpe couldn't be bothered to get dirty and stop the ball. So um, I was a little bit in my own world at that point. And then I sort of snapped out of it five minutes later, the champagne on the field, there's... The whole arena, it's sort of, it's a very wooden arena. It's almost like, mm. um, in a weird way, it's, it's like, an, it's like a, a big boxing ring. Um, it feels like there's, you know, you sort of sheds at either end. And um, if you've seen the movie Cinderella Man, it feels like that. You know, it's, it's sort of all on top of you. Everybody's very close. There's the, uh, the shellfish horns that they're blowing into every 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> it's just that it's a brilliant atmosphere. It really is. And, uh, uh, you know, they know how to enjoy it. Uh, I think sometimes in England we don't know how to enjoy, a, uh, you know, either a wonderful individual feat like that or a victory. I just We don't quite let our hair down the same. And uh, it was a very amazing, well, it's carnival, amazing atmosphere. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, uh, that was test of time. That was 400 and all that. <coughs> but uh, there's plenty more to talk about. And there's plenty more about uh, Gareth's career. Uh, just how does a Yorkshire boy uh, end up at Surrey via Worcestershire? Uh, we'll find out that and uh, what the future holds as well. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Gareth Batty, the guest of uh, Darren Goff, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2, myself, John Norman. Um, 20 years, uh, Gareth, 20 years as a pro. Um, so how does, uh, how does a Yorkshire boy end up at Surrey uh, via a, a little stop-off in Worcestershire? Yeah, it was an interesting one. I was playing um, with England in the 19s. Um, back in the day, and Mickey Stewart, um, obviously father to, to Alec now, uh, well, then, um, <laughs> was uh, running sort of English cricket up to the, the sort of national teams. Um, I was a, a young upstart um, at Yorkshire. Uh, the pitches were nibbling around a bit, and we had the greats of, of Goffey, Craig White, uh, Chris Silverwood, you name it. Uh, the, all the quick bowlers were coming out of Yorkshire. Um and Richard Stenberg gone very, very well, a left-arm spinner. Um, so there, there was no real way in. Plus, I was nowhere near ready. Um, as a youngster, I, you know, I always think spinners get to sort of 18 and then they start learning how to play because you're playing against men on proper pitches where it doesn't spin all the time. You've got to learn how to bowl. Um, and we expect the the learning curve to be the same as... Well, fastball was it actually accelerates. Um, but anyway, that's going off on a tangent. And... Um, Mickey had sort of said during the under nineteen stuff, look, you know, this this Sackley Mushtak and Ian Salisbury down at down at the Oval. It would be very good for you to learn off them. Um what what do you think? And at the time, uh things at Yorkshire weren't uh, going amazingly. Um and I, I'd sort of hinted that I fancied going. Uh, six months later I was at uh, I was at Surrey. Um again I was there for four years. Um loved every second of it. The hardest decision of my life was to leave. Um, was, I was. I mean, you're talking about the, the the challenge that was ahead of you getting into the Yorkshire team, but you know you were moving to the most successful Surrey side yeah. in yeah. Thir- 35 years. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but it it was more the I understood the fact that I needed to get better. I wasn't good enough, um, not by any stretch of the imagination. I needed some knowledge. I needed some nous. Um, I needed a bit more game time on on sort of pitches that could be conducive or or start flat and then maybe conducive. Um, and I felt like that was a learning curve I needed to go through. Um, and I knew that if I'd have played, hit, you know, then I, I wouldn't have been in the game by now. No way I needed that learning curve. To be fair, Gareth, I, I mean, it's hard for a spinner. Um, and I know that because you come from a, obviously a background of family who bowl spin. Yeah. For those who don't know, your old man used to bowl uh, leggies. England cricketers used him for the last for 20 years before you were around. Yeah, I uh, used to bowl at him in the nets all the time. Your brother, a good mate of mine at Yorkshire, Jeremy, he had to go to Somerset uh, to get some cricket. He won't get in much game time for Yorkshire. You obviously went down to Surrey. It's hard for a young spinner, isn't it, to get to get that breakthrough, to get a chance in the first team. It is, and, and and I think it is. It's what I touched on before. I think spinners through um, age group cricket are generally the best bowlers because you can hit the stumps. Mm. Uh, batters can't hit you too far. Uh, and it always spins because the pitches are not quite as good. As soon as you go up the levels, um, batters are stronger. They have more options. The pitches are better, so you spin it less. It becomes a harder game. So you... You have a load of knowledge up to sort of 17, 18, and then a lot of that knowledge is not really usable because everything's changed. Batters are bigger, stronger, so they hit you further. 
Um, the pitches are totally different, and the game is you know it's a it's a faster moving game. Um, whereas I think fast bowlers go on the the flatter pitches. It, it's got more pace in it for them, so the ball carries. They actually come into their own. And batters, it's just you know you are where you are at whatever age with a batter. I don't think there's there's a particular right age, but spin definitely. I think that's why you get the dearth between eighteen and twenty three, twenty four, because that is your learning curve to understand. Right, it's green today. I've got a job to do. I've got to hold the game, but still attacking one edge of the bat to take a wicket wherever possible, so on and so forth. There's a real learning curve, and that's not me being negative about spin. It's understanding you've got a role to do at times, um, and I needed that. Um, and I was very lucky that um, Sackler Mushtaq, and in very much in particular, Ian Salisbury was amazing, and, and as a coach as well, he passed on so much information. He'll know far more about spin than I ever will do. It was it's. it's been very lucky to have a, a mentor like that. Gaz, does, does young spinners, would you work better with adding someone at the other end who's got that experience? Would you always work better as a pair? Because if you look now at Somerset, right? Yep. I know they play on helpful pitches and they're preparing pitches, so the spinners uh, have an advantage. They've got two decent ones, two good ones, one yep. playing for England, Jack Leach, and obviously Don Bess, so I've seen since he was a 17, 18-year-old boy. And his rise actually has surprised me because it's come very quickly for him. Yeah, has... but he's come straight into bowling with a guy who's taking fifty wickets a year on helpful pitches. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it definitely helps as a two because you can bounce ideas off. Um, it helps if your captain understands what spin can do within a game of cricket. A lot of people don't understand. Mm. Uh, the effects of spin and how you can literally shut a game down and how you can create immense pressure on batsmen. Um, that is something sometimes English people need to go to the subcontinent to understand. Um, but no, I, 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 you touched on the, the guy Tom Bess. I love the way he goes about it. He's aggressive, he's up in your face. And I think nowadays you've either got to be um, playing on a helpful pitch or you've got to have that little bit of aggression uh, towards the game to to affect the game because if you just sit back and wait for something to happen I don't think it happens quite like it used to do because pitches are not deteriorating like they were uh, so I think you have to go and make something happen um, and it also helps if you can hold the bat as well because it gives you another bit of an avenue that you can affect a game uh, you talk about aggression. Um, there are some out there that uh, <laughs> have said on occasion uh, that you may have uh, overstepped the line. When you look back at your career, uh, have there been those incidents? Would you uh, Do you look back on any wicket celebrations or moments in your career that uh, you would uh, do differently now? Oh, look, I, I don't do regret. I do learning. And yes, obviously, at times I would have let myself down. I call myself the village idiot. Um, from time to time. Um, I, I try not to play friendly games because if somebody hits me for four or something, I'm straight at him. I want to get him out. I want to win the contest. And the best way for me to be at my my best is by having a confrontation um, and trying to get in an individual battle with the batters. And um, it's my downfall. It's the thing that um, I have to live with Um if I cross a line, but I ha- to get the best out of myself, I can't apologise for being that way because it's the way I have to do it. Um, and I've actually studied people like McEnroe and stuff, and um, they did it because they were losing the game. They understand that they're on the losing edge, so all the rubbish that goes on is actually just trying to unsettle your opposite number. And I call it gamesmanship and sportsmanship. Some people don't agree with that, and, and some people do, but I'm not apologising for it because um, it's the thing that I have to do. Mm. Um, and I'm very open with kids saying, look, uh, there's a, there's, you know, 
there's a line you can't cross. And if you do cross a line, you take whatever's coming your way and you take it like a man. Um, so, I, I, look, you know, uh, if you play on the edge, you play on the edge. You've got you to cop it every now and again. When you, when you look back on, on that move, you said you needed to get... Um, obviously, you left Yorkshire because you weren't getting any chance whatsoever. You didn't see a way into the side. With the seamers we had, we were never going to prepare pitches where a spinner was going to get too much involvement. You went to Surrey, you developed as a one-day cricketer, but didn't really get as many chances as you would want in the longer form. Yeah. So Worcester was a good move all round, realistically, wasn't it? Amazing move. Um, yeah. And I was so lucky again. Um, another another member of the Stewart family sort of um, helped that move. Uh, Alec had spoken to Tom Moody, who was big friends with, big Australian fella. You would have known him uh, from mm. his county days and international days. Goffey, a wonderful fella, brilliant bloke. Um, I, sp- I was very lucky. I spoke to about six or seven counties um, and they were all wanting to talk about money. I said, I don't really care about that. I just want to play and I want to get better. Um, and Tom, we never even spoke about it, um, about financial side. The way he spoke after two minutes, uh, I'd already spoken to Stewie, which obviously was a pretty big help in the situation. Um, but um, I-, I said, yeah, you got me. I'm-, I'm coming. I want to play for you. I want to get better. And I believe that you can you can be that man. And I was very lucky that uh, for that period at Worcester, I-, I accelerated my learning. I was very lucky to... We played on some pitches that spun, which is unheard of at New Road. Um, and I had an effect on winning some games, which was um, pretty pretty amazing. And I was very, very lucky and very fortunate that um, Tom Moody and Worcester were, were amazing for that. Uh, and within a year, you're, uh, you're bowling to Adam Gilchrist, Matthew Hayden, Ricky Ponting, Damian Martin and Darren Lehman and, uh, and a few other star names uh, playing for England against Australia in Australia. Uh, that's uh, quite some turnaround. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, it was uh, the year that I left Surrey, people were talking about should I be on an A tour and so on and so forth because I'd managed to edge Goffey for 90 at the Oval in a day-night game and uh, Surrey v York from people saying, oh, this young kid, you got... I think myself and Goffey know that there weren't too many hit in the middle of the bat. It was just one of those days. But uh, there are a few people saying some very nice things and um, you take that in your stride. But certainly I never expected to be in a team with um, with Goffey and Alex Stewart and you know some wonderful, wonderful greats of the game playing against... Ronnie Ronnie. Uh Yeah, Rocket Ron. I was doing his uh, side stretches being the village idiot, which was very nice. I wasn't the village idiot on that occasion. It was very, uh, very nice. Um, no, I mean... It, and I think that was the biggest thing for me. It was my dream was always to play for England. I, re- I remember watching, and I'm still like it now. I walk into even if Goffey's in a room, I've known Goffey for years. But if I walk into a room, like, he's one of England's greats, and the hairs on the back of my neck prickle. I'm, I'm a bit of a cricket badger. I, I love the game, and I love people that have been amazing in the game. I'm a fan, and um, that was my biggest downfall. It was kind of like right, I've played for England. Now what do I do? Um, I didn't have any. So it's kind of like, you know, you're scrambling around thinking, right, well, I want to play two games, I want to play three games. And I think once you fulfil your dream, it's kind of you've got to have something behind that to, mm. all right, I want to extend my dream. I want to be in that dream for as long as I can. And I think that was my downfall um, in a lot of ways that um, I never really got over that. When you look back at your career now and the counties, Yorkshire, obviously you can't really judge that one, but the Surrey first time, Worcester, uh, and then going back to Surrey, yep. where do you think you were realistically at your at your best? Um, probably just before England picked me again for Bangladesh and India. Um, I reckon I had three, four years at Surrey, um, 
from sort of when did I go back? Two thousand nine, ten. I reckon from about two thousand and thirteen right through to sixteen. Twelve twelve to sixteen I reckon I was smacking my pump. Mm. Um I knew I I could bowl, I could challenge the outside edge at will, I could challenge the inside edge, I could bowl it quickly, I could bowl it slowly. I had slight different changes of action for white ball and red ball cricket for certain surfaces and my body could do it all. Um, and I remember Swanee saying at, at the end of his career, he just couldn't do what he wanted to do with his body. Um, and I, you know, I, I kind of understand that what he was saying there because I had that real sweet spot where literally I felt um, I felt as though I could bowl whatever ball I wanted, and I felt great. Um, but I think that spinners, I, you know, you very difficult to feel um, amazing without that sort of um, time in your body of bowling and understanding and you have to have been in those environments and conditions to, to be able to use that experience Do you think you should have played for England more um, during that period? I, I, I mean I've been one you've probably heard it but I've, I've, I mention your name all the time because I could not believe I've played against you I'd seen you play and I could not believe but England kept overlooking you for certain tours and just and going for someone totally different who they were never going to play. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's amazing. Thank you very much for saying that, by the way. Uh, very kind of you. Um, but uh, look, I I've always been one that as long as I'm comfortable in my own skin, I'm pretty cool with it. I, when I finish, and I don't know when that'll be, I won't have any regrets. I won't have maybe had a career like yourself or other wonderful, wonderful players. But I'm just, you know, I'm just doing my thing and I'll be very very comfortable in my own skin and I knew at that time a couple of people that are close to me knew that I I genuinely believed I was England's best spinner at that point when Mm. Swanee stepped down and Monty was having his problems um, I knew that I I knew in myself so I didn't need anybody else to tell me that and I didn't need England to select me um, to, to, to confirm that I knew in myself because of what I was seeing in county cricket day in and day out and that's probably the first time I've ever, ever said that outside of my best friends um, having a drink in a pub or whatever when they've asked me questions. Mm. So what counted against you then? Uh, look, it was it was during a, a very difficult time for Surrey. Um, we had um, a horrific loss in, in Tom Maynard, which... Um, whew, sorry, I'm yeah. starting to go a bit now. It affected everybody. Um, and I, yeah. I saw it as my duty as a senior player to to sort of rally round and and um and and that was my role there um and for for possibly 2 3 years you know that was the only thing that um I was looking at and concerning myself with um so maybe, I don't, I don't know it's um it's just one of those things and um it is what it is I I don't have any dramas with it um it's it's life isn't it do you think age came into it as well bats yeah i'm sure it did mm. i'm sure it did um, which is very bizarre then that you go to the nth degree right at the end, um, which is amazing. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, every single opportunity and every time I've been called up for it, it's been amazing. And I've loved every second. Of it. I wouldn't change anything for the world, good, bad, or indifferent. It was what it was. Um, but I, I do find some of the things that selectors have done very strange. Um, not for me personally, I think in the wider scheme of things, and we touched on it with Plunkett earlier. and... I, I just feel horses for courses sometimes. Um, for me, the England team has a nucleus of the very best players, but then you might need a certain type of person that might be valuable in a certain um, in a certain environment on certain surfaces against certain players, and I think you pick them for that. And if you drop them straight afterwards, after they've done very well, that's fine. It doesn't matter, you're England. 
you're picking the best eleven players to play for our our country, our uh, the greatest sport. I, just, I I don't have any problems with that, and I, I don't think other players would. Well, we'll uh, we'll hear what it was like to uh, to play for England again after a uh, a sizable gap, um, and also about what the future holds as well. With Gareth Batty, uh, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talksport Two, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2 with me, John Norman, Darren Goff. And uh, in the studio this week, pleased to say it's uh, the England Surrey spinner, Gareth Batty. Uh, Gareth, uh, just how much, or uh, yeah, how much were you bricking it? Uh, when you uh, came, stood up to bowl your first ball back in international cricket for England? I've got to be honest, um, my daughter was about two months old at the time, maybe not even that, and I wanted to nick her pampers and put them on. Um, it had been 11 <laughs> years. Um, Cookie had asked me to open the bowl in something I'd never done. Um, and I ran into ball, nervous, not because I was worried about cricket, I was just nervous for family, friends, people that had said nice things. Just You just don't want to let anybody down, and the older you get, you understand all that. Whereas as a kid, you just you just get out and play, don't you? And uh, my first ball was an absolute pie. Absolute <laughs> pie outside of something. Dragged it down horribly. Did everything you tell kids not to do. Cut for four. And I was stood at the back of my mark thinking, oh, my God, what is going on here? Um, and then, luckily, I got into the game a little bit. And um, I think by the by the end of the test match, I was actually, I'd actually turned it around. And I was kind of saying, hang on, hang on a minute. I'd got three for two in three overs, and then I didn't bowl for 33 overs. I was like, I'd have won that game in that 33 overs. Done. I'd have got five for a job done. Um, <laughs> I had them, but I, I absolutely had them over a barrel. They didn't know what to do. I'd come round the wicket, which everybody had said, don't come round the wicket. You know, you've got to bowl it out. I said, no, I've got these boys. I'll let them on the pad or I'll, I'll jaff them off. Job done. And I didn't bowl for 30 odd overs. I was like, what is going on? This is madness. But. Um, no, it was amazing. It's um, it's something that uh, I remember probably more than my debut. I can almost remember every ball, almost every single bit of every single bit of the of the five days, and um, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we won the game. Which um, do you know what? I don't care about the personal stuff. I, w- I was involved in an England team that won a game of cricket. And, do you know uh, what? You, Bats, that yeah. was the last time England won. That was the last Is time, right? wasn't it? Can you believe yeah. that? <laughs> you, you actually gained three wickets in the second dig. That was the last time England won away against oh Bangladesh. Wow. Yes, it's wow. ridiculous. When you go back to that call-up, were you, were you totally surprised you got the call-up for that tour? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah 100%. Because I'll tell you what happened. Um, before the West Indies, it was two years previously, Jimmy Whittaker had spoken to me and said, look, would you be available? I said, don't be stupid. I said, I'm still playing the game. I'm still playing the game because, you know, I, I want to make a difference and I want to win games for Surrey and for England if, if selected. And he pretty much told me I was going and then I didn't. Um, I think Treaders and somebody else went. Um, and I was kind of like, this is weird. He didn't speak to me for two years. And then all of a sudden he starts uh, making out like he's the, the you know, my my best friend and telling me I'm going away again so it was it was all a bit strange um and then after uh, winning a test with England you didn't play again till the third test of the India series um was I, I know you're a team man but you know was there a little bit of a uh, little bit of a frustration there at all no, no, no. It, it was more um, uh, sort of a little bit, uh, just a bit strange that um, I was told the second test match in Bangladesh, um, I wasn't playing to be rested because I'd have a huge job to be doing in India. Um, and I was sort of like, don't worry about me, you know, I'm 
it's only a number. I might be old, but um, have a look at my fitness scores. I'm up there with the kids, if not better than most of them. Don't worry, I'm I'm good to go here. Um, that's kind of the only reason I keep playing. As soon as I drop off that, I'll, I'll walk. Um, but it was, no, no, it's the right thing to do. Look, I totally get it. And Moeen... Um, has been a friend for a very long time since Worcester. I think he's a, mm. I think he's a wonderful cricketer. I really do. I think he plays it in the, in a, in a great spirit, in a great way. I think his talent is is amazing, um, and actually it was allowing him to flourish. And uh, I think that whole winter he flourished both with bat and ball. And Adil came in and did really really well. I don't think England can play three spinners. Um, so if I was selecting the team, I would have gone with Adil and uh, and Moen hundred percent. Um, and absolutely, I backed that to the hill, and I was doing whatever I possibly could behind the scenes uh, to help those guys. Um, no, it, absolutely no dramas in any way, shape, or form. On the mowing, um, Ali, when you know him obviously better than a lot of us, yeah. and we see the performances, and and I mean I've been critical of him. I think he's the type of bowler. He's a second spinner. Yes. I don't think he can be the main spinner, and I think that's the problem England have got because we only play one spinner. Mowing's kind of had some success in England when. Our top our bowlers, Anderson and Broad, knock over the top order and he comes on, he's full of confidence. But the problem he's got is but when he has to do it on flatter pitches, and we're talking about horses for courses in selection, yep. this is where he struggled, hasn't he, Mowing? Yeah, I, I think um, I think Mowing has Mowing's developed um, throughout his uh, 50 test matches um, in that when he first started, he was a batter that bowled and bowled it quite slowly. His natural stock bowl is quite a slow beautiful loopy spinning ball um, and I think he's evolved over the time speaking to international spinners and understanding that he's you know certainly subcontinent it's a bit more about driving it into the surface uh, as opposed to the seam spending more time on the surface it's two separate ways of bowling and I think in Australia you watch a lion you, lo- you watch a warn when he was at his best the ball spent more time on the surface so you get more deviation whereas Moeing's driving it into the surface that you would do on a subcontinent because it bites out of the surface. Um, so that would be the only observation, that Moeing could have just slowed things down fractionally. Um, but if you've had success doing it one way, you know, sometimes, and particularly, bearing in mind, you've, you've said it and, and maybe it's agreed, that he's, he's your second spinner, you're asking him to do that first spinner job, um, that is actually quite difficult. Uh, we've only uh, we're rushing running out of time uh, bats um just a few minutes left of the show unfortunately but you know from uh, from England to Surrey to to the future franchise uh, league coming up when is that 2 years from now um designs to be playing or or possibly coaching oh, I don't know I, I I'm doing my level 3 coaching at the minute um I, I'm passionate about the game I I, I would definitely stay in the game coaching uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, I've been offered a couple of jobs within the game uh, coaching that um, I will I will hopefully as and when I finish, uh, which I don't want to put a time on. Um, I'll, I'll sort of go into those roles and um, and hopefully um, do a bit better for somebody else who uh, who comes into to playing professionally and they take the world by storm. Uh, hopefully, I can pass on some knowledge and and um, and some passion uh, for the game and and the the um, the profession of bowling spin and and slogging a few. You're the new Mr. Surrey, aren't you? Alex Stewart's still got that tag, but I, I very much expect you to be around the Surrey dressing room for many years to come. Would that be the dream? I, I think if I'm being uh, perfect scenarios, I would love to be a coach at Surrey. Mm. I don't want any big jobs, um, i.e. directors of cricket. I want to coach. I want to make a difference with, with cricketers. Um, I'd like to go through the age group stuff. 
Um, I feel like we can we can accelerate some learning from youngsters and and at times decelerate that learning and allow them to enjoy the game. I feel like I've got a decent uh, touch with that. So uh, look, long and short of it, I want to coach. I want to throw the balls all day. I want to be tired at the end of a day, having worked my socks off to try and help some youngsters to get better. Um, and uh, 2018 for Surrey, well, it promises to be an exciting one. Can you uh, let us in on any uh, of those rumours surrounding Virat Kohli playing uh, championship cr- cricket when uh, Mitchell Marsh is playing for Australia and uh, Morning Morkel as well, another name uh, being linked with the club. Yeah, I, I think um, it's a kind of a have a look at the uh, Surrey Twitter feed and Surrey uh, Facebook pages and I'm sure you'll be kept up to date with all that. But uh, I would suggest where there's a will, there's a way with uh, some of the things that you're talking about and um, it would be amazing to see one, if not both of those um Really exciting players playing with the Currens, playing with the Ben Fox, playing with the Stormman, uh, Dernbach and Burns, the new captains, which is amazing for the club. I'm so happy mm. that it's Surrey people who are leading the club forward, uh, who care deeply about the club, and we're not just seen as this club that goes out and signs uh, your Morkels and your and your Virats. Uh, we, we've got Surrey people hopefully taking us forward, and then the icing of the cake on the cake is a a Coley or a. Um, a Morkel, but um, we want Surrey people taking Surrey forward, and I very much class myself as that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Brilliant stuff. Gareth Batty, thanks so much for joining us in the studio. You're back with us on uh, a week Wednesday, I think, for uh, for an IPL game. Can't um, wait. But, uh, yeah, well, uh, looking forward to, uh, to, to uh, overseeing maybe some uh, future Surrey players as part of our uh, duties for TalkSport 2. But uh, <laughs> thanks so much for your time this week. Thank you very much, man. Have a great Easter. Uh, Goffey, that's pretty much all we've got time for. Um, uh, the show comes back 8pm uh, uh, next week. Me and you in the studio together for the first time. I'll be back from New Zealand and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, a busy week on driver weights, no doubt. Oh, no doubt whatsoever. A busy week. Premier League football was back. Champions League coming up this week. Really looking forward to it. Busy week on drive. Brilliant stuff. Goffey, I will see you in the flesh this time next week. But uh, that's pretty much all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Thanks to Gareth again. Uh, you'll be listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.